Welcome to episode 13, part two of Producing with Purpose. If you're jumping into this episode and you haven't listened to the intro or any of part one, then I recommend you just flicking back an episode, listening to the intro and deciding which parts you want to listen to. And if you're coming in from part one, then I hope you enjoy this continuation of my chat with Jordan of Boyish Jeans. A lot of people think we're actually bigger than we are. Mm. We're actually a really small company. You know, people look at us and we're like, wow, you're in so many stores. I'm like, yeah, but it's like a little bit in those little stores. Yeah. And the amount of profit that that even brought us was so minuscule anyways. You know, most of, uh, most of what we're focusing on right now is our own direct-to-consumer market. And, and that's difficult because that actually requires more staff to really do it mm. correctly. And, and so it's that whole balance of trying to do both wholesale and direct-to-consumer. And, you know, it's like they're kind of – there's always tension between the two of like, oh, well, now a wholesaler wants this, but then you need it or you need something from a wholesaler and – and it's always an inventory battle. Yeah, that's that's a perfect segue, man, because a big part of what I wanted to talk to you about today, and I, I love getting some insight, is this whole, you know, in the current era of where you can have your online store and be it through, you know, organic growth marketing or be it through Facebook ads or whatever medium that you're taking, or even, you know, being on podcasts and telling people about the brand, your direct-to-consumer sales is is going to be a big part of the business. Um, and this is something we're looking at now. It's like, okay, well, do we focus entirely in direct to consumer? Do we try and, you know, contact boutique retailers? Do we try and get wholesale into other stores? What has that journey looked like for you guys? Was that a decision on day one that you wanted to be in other stores, or did that come organically or through necessity? My original perspective was that I realized that there weren't really any sustainable denim brands offered in the market hmm. for wholesale. So, I wanted, you know, like true sustainable brands. I always view sustainability in a little bit different of a perspective. There's like socially good brands, ethically good brands. You know, there's like, you know, different categories, you know, like vegan based brands. And then sustainability, when when you want to use the word sustainable, it's tough because, you know, like the translation of sustainability can be in so many different terminologies. You know, it could be like efficiency is, is sustainable. I'm like, yes. I mean, ultimately, that's what we're looking at. So a sustainable brand has to kind of hit a lot of checkpoints. Mm. It's not like you can't have a capsule. It's like, oh, we're a sustainable brand because we have two genes that are, you know, have organic cotton in it. Yeah. And then you find out that those genes are also contaminated with a bunch of plastics, which makes them unrecyclable. Yeah. You know, and it's probably going to make them not last very long because the, 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 uh, the, you know, washing them and wearing them, you know, the polyesters and plastics inside of those genes are going to break down. And then you're just going to have to throw them away where they're going to sit in a landfill yeah. with probably all the plastics and most likely even the toxins that are inside of those genes. Because if, if, if you couldn't get those things right, you probably didn't get a lot of the dyes right and all that other stuff. Yeah. So when it comes down to it comes down to like trying to figure out, you know, what's offered in the market, you have to think about the overall picture. What are people currently doing right now? How are you going to attack it? And how are you what are you offering? And so what I thought was like, all right, perfect. You know, I'm like there's not enough sustainable wholesale brands out there. So let me try that out. And I realized that it's difficult because your margins aren't there to really compete in the wholesale world nowadays. Yeah. It's been a little while since I had kind of worked in the wholesale side of things. Cause I was at a lot of DTC brands, you know, um, Reformation sells their own products. Yeah. Um, and so does the revolve sells most of their own products. Mm. And so not having that big DTC behind me, I thought maybe it might be a good strategy to offer something that I've been doing to the masses 
to kind of get the word of sustainability out there and really get people inspired. I've always wanted to bring sustainability to more consumers. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's still now a challenge because we have DTC, which makes more profitability versus wholesale because wholesalers, you know, they ask for such big discounts. They, you know, yeah, there's a slew of things I'm not going to get too involved with right now because yeah. it'll sound too negative. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that that's kind of the, that I suppose that's what I'm getting at and trying to find a bit more sense of is in the bluntest sense is, do you recommend maintaining the DTC avenue as much as possible or getting into the getting into the wholesale route and actually getting into stores. I mean, obviously, by being wholesale, you're having people, you know, you're in Selfridges in London. People can come across your product. People can engage with your products. People can buy your product who might otherwise never hear about the brand versus, you know, do you then lose some control over your product in the way it's presented, in the way it's spoken about, in the way it's sold, and also then, you know, a crippling effect on the margins as well. It's It's a bit of a balance to decide which way to go. Yeah, I mean, if you're asking from my perspective, I've come to really love and appreciate boutiques, yeah. which are, you know, smaller, you know, one of a kind, or yeah. maybe they have a couple of small stores, because they're able to service their customers. They're able yeah. to give them an experience. They're able, when they pick up brands, they want to know about it. They want to know, they want to tell their customers about the brand. Like, this is this brand. Yeah. Because that's the difference between, well, why am I going to go to Selfridges and buy a bunch of, like, when I remember the first time I went to Selfridges, I went in there and I was like, oh, my God, this is where all those jeans that they couldn't sell in the L.A. went to. They all went to Selfridges. Yeah. It's like 2008 just came in here, swooped up everything in Selfridges. And then all of a sudden I'm over here in 2020 trying to sell them 2020 jeans. I'm like, I'm way too far ahead of the curve. Yeah. God bless companies like them that want to do something new. you know. Yeah. But the problem is, is like also when I'm a small brand – I'm dealing with like more, you know, like my vendors aren't going to be like, oh, perfect. Let me give this tiny little brand that's super complicated with asking for all these things, you know, yeah. the, the time of the day to make their stuff on time. No, they have to pay their bills. So they're going to make all their big brands and all those people. And then they're going to be like, oh, yeah, we'll ship you in like uh, next week. And then next week becomes next week. And then next week becomes next week. And these wholesalers, they're like, oh, great. Discount, discount, discount. I'm like, look. If I wanted to make shitty jeans, just like all those other crappy jeans that other people couldn't sell that sold them to you and you just don't know it, I could easily do that. Yeah. But I chose to do things differently. And I'm trying to do this because a lot of other people don't want to do it because it's difficult. Yeah. But I, for some reason, am a masochist for difficulty. <laughs> I want to torture myself, apparently. And, uh, and so, you know, like that's why I started realizing that, you know, we've tried, I tried to work with some of the bigger people. I even try to negotiate deals where I'm like, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do, I need to be honest with you guys. I can't do all this. Yeah. And then somewhere along the chain, they're like, oh, well, you didn't, you didn't say that you weren't going to pay for shipping. I'm like, is that something I have to say that that's like saying that when I go over to your house to take a shit, why are you not wiping my butt? You didn't tell me you were not going to wipe my butt. It's like, <laughs> what, there's so many different instances I can come up with that, that, that doesn't work. Well, yeah. you didn't read that. And it's like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't, I can't pay pay a lawyer to look at your 56 to 100 page reports of all the different things I'm going to do. And this is the thing that's like, you know, these people are not there to support that they really want yeah. to. And it's actually kind of funny because I am, I say, I said this a couple of times, but I'm very fortunate. I come from a background where I can easily identify when people are going to become problems. And usually yeah, it's okay. when you see sell-through rates, you're like, you see, like when you work with these other companies, you see sell-through rates and you're like, all right, 
these big department stores, you know, they'll be like, oh, you see 75% sell through rate in, a, in like within one month. Like, wow, that's mm. really good. And then you see like, you know, and that's all, and this is always how it works. It's like you work with these people, you select like half the product, they select half the product. And then your half of the product sells really well. Their half of the product was like, didn't sell at all. And they're like, yeah, but we want to return all of it that didn't sell. Yeah. But you asked me to make that. We told you to buy this stuff. You said you wanted this stuff. It's not selling. So you're trying to tell me that you're not doing your job right. So now, not just do I have to suffer, but actually everybody in the world now has to suffer because you're creating a issue that is ricocheting across the world. Yeah, supply chains and mass overproducing stuff because you can't do your job correctly because you're a failing business where you have these giant sinking ships that you keep asking people to jump on. Mm. But you're trying to cover it up. It's like fire festival. Like three point oh. It's just I, like it's like it's manifesting under the ocean. People didn't see it. It's like burst out. Being like, let's go, people. We got an island and it's got stuff on it. Come check it out for yourself. Man, I think it's that 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 there that three minutes that was that was what i wanted that was what i wanted to hear was like the representation of that because it's actually you know it's you, you're not going to hear that from somebody who's trying to sell you in on the idea of doing this and as well in a way i think that that knowledge and sharing that knowledge with people and sharing that knowledge with anyone who's listening is actually a massive effort towards sustainable fashion for the fact that people don't realize that that's the situation people don't know that you're being asked by retailers or distributors to create a certain kind of product that they think is going to sell because, you know, they want to sell your brand, but with a, with a certain style or with a certain way of putting it through, then they're not doing their job and they're returning it. And they're the ones who are contributing to, maybe it even ends up being textile waste at the end of it or something that you have to do or compromise your brand. People knowing that this is the case and actually going two brands directly like boyish and purchasing something that that brand is making that's that's encouraging the sustainability as much as using the fabric in the garment as well i think that's huge for people to know that yeah you know the the, the one thing though i have to say is that it's it's always uh, the grass looks greener on the other side so that's the tough thing you know you're gonna get these big stores that are gonna come and be like here's a hundred unit order yeah you know like in one colorway you're like oh my god i can meet my moqs this is great i can make some for my website you know like you start thinking yeah. of all these possibilities you're like this is amazing break all those barriers down ask all the questions you can possibly think about how this can go wrong and that's the best thing you can do talk to people you know like i started talking to people when i started seeing these i was like this seems weird i flew up to the company's headquarters mm. and I, I met with the, the lady and i remember her telling me she's like i'm like i could just see how stressed she was she's like i'm so because i called her out i was just there's something you people know me for is I just say kind of what I want to say. Uh, it's just, it's not that I'm trying to be rude or anything like that. It's just how I kind of think. I'm just like, let's get to the point. Let's do things. You know, yeah. I'll try to candy coat it as best as possible. I'll try to, you know, psychologically be friendly enough to you, but no, no doubt. I sooner or later, I just get to the point. And with this lady, I did it. And she told me, she's like, we have to RTV 70% of our products. I'm like, Whoa, hold on right there, lady. Did you say everything you buy? 70% of it goes back to the vendor. I'm like, get wow. me the hell out of here. I'm like, this is the formula of the worst possible business plan ever. And yeah. not only that, the most unsustainable thing ever. And, and that's the problem is that, you know, and I was like, you know, it's funny because in my mind, I'm like, well, why don't you just connect all these giant stores you have and create sort of like mini distribution hubs mm. and ship all your online orders from those stores? 
I'm just like, you know, I'm like, but call me crazy. Apparently that's a crazy <laughs> idea. You know, and it's like, yeah. I just always, you know, it's like, I remember buying a Tesla car. They're like, yeah, we're about five years ahead. I'm like, I like you guys. You just like, you had, they answered all my questions. It was just like, and I really so badly didn't want to like support that, you know, company that everybody was going, but I'm like, I did my research, you know, I found yeah. out all these people, you know, I'm like, I don't even like buying luxury cars. I've always been like a, a, a people's car. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I don't like driving Audis or Mercedes. It's like, I just want to drive something normal. I don't care if I can afford it. You know, I, I'll drive, I want to drive a Toyota. I just wish that they had an electric car that went farther yeah. than 45 miles, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it's just the whole thing that comes down to it is if you're going to be dick, if you're going to allow your company to be dictated by what other people consider successful or innovative, then you're always going to be behind. Mm. And so you have to be willing to say no. You have to be willing to believe sometimes if something doesn't take off. For instance, one of our best selling fits is called the Ziggy Gene. When we when I first came up with that fit, you know, actually the fit didn't even come out that that well. Not that many people bought it, and now it is our most successful fit. You know, because yeah. I didn't give up on it. I was like, nope, we're we're going for it. You know, I'm like, I really believe in this fit. I couldn't get, you know, I wanted to make this fit like a long time ago. No one really believed on it, believed in it, and and uh, it was like a relaxed jean, but it kind of was more fitted and actually made girls look sort of sexy in it because it didn't, you didn't lose your butt because yeah. it was relaxed. And it was this, this, it's a particular gene that we've kind of nailed down and that a lot of people have been really appreciating. And, and, and believing in those things is important, but not putting all your eggs in that basket is also important, Yeah, which is why I say, you know, if you blend things with the boutiques and then blend things with the GTC, but be super, super humble with your sales expectations Yeah, because the thing about the DTC market is that everyone, and when I say everyone, I mean everyone, your mom, your grandma, your grandma's best friend, they all have online stores. Yeah, <laughs> for everyone sure, does. man. That's it. That's why Shopify are the ones who are truly killing it. Yeah, Shopify, UPS, all <laughs> yeah. the all the people that have to, you know, you have to go through just to get things to, to where, you're, where you need to get them to make money. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty much those are the credit card processing companies all them yeah all right so then man that's it's great advice and it's great great to hear your take on that as well and then thinking then and i suppose focusing primarily on the direct consumer world of things in that first six months of boys where you've gone all right we have we have stock we have product you know we actually are able to start taking orders and selling things to people in that first six months, what was your what was your growth strategy? How did you actually get people to hear about the brand? How did you build it up to something that could start generating revenue? Uh, I mean, the first the first year was just really just me just testing things out. What fit do people want? Like the first two seasons, I made mostly jeans, mm-hmm. like five pocket jeans, shorts, skirts, jackets. And then the, the the next two seasons, which was like the fall and, and the holiday winter collections, I went to more novelty because I was like, all right, we've already made a bunch of great jeans. Like people don't need to, you know, we're not, you know, we're selling to probably the same people that bought that season to the next season. So let's make yeah. some novelty stuff. Let's have fun with it. And everyone like didn't want to try any of the novelty stuff. They're like, no, that's too much for us. Okay. You know, it's like, you know, I was like. All right, so then I re-strategized and turned things back around to making mostly like the vintage looking denim. Hmm. And uh, in that first strategy of trying to get people to even understand the brand 
was just me. Like I didn't have any advert. I didn't have a single advertising dollar. You know, I was spending all my own money on just getting to that point. You know, yeah. I had to spend all my money on on actually hiring my first employee, and I I literally, you know, was using my own money to pay them, and then also put my money into the the business. So it's yeah. weird because I was like, I'm not paying myself. I'm just actually just putting money places. That, <laughs> I don't know where it's I into this that, magic man. land. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we tried, we tried to partner with like PR agencies or people like that, mm. but it just, there's too, it was, it was too risky for such, you know, it was, it was too risky because I didn't know enough about it. Yeah. You know, um, but it was a learning experience because remember I'm coming from companies and I'm like, I'm really good at building products. Yeah. The product, you know, I want to say I'm a product master, but you know, if I had it, if people said, where are you really good? I'd be like product, you know, I'm like, I, I love to make things. I love to go make the fabrics, the materials. I love to go talk to the farmers and the, the material suppliers and talk about the chemicals that they're using this, reading the life cycle assessment reports on, you know, comparisons of regions and in the world growing particular things and just everything. And so, uh, you know, what I didn't realize was the marketing tactics, not having marketing money, how to advertise and all that sort of stuff. And, by the time that I figured that all out, you know, then the pandemic hit and then everyone, yeah. everyone was rushing. Everyone's rushing to digital advertising and everyone's rushing to the Internet. And I was like, all right, well, everything we've kind of been working on now is, is now everyone's jumping on it. And in 2019, you know, we, we went through a really rough patch because our factory that we were working with, um, you know, closed uh, their business uh you know, like one of the side, the sections of the factory closed that was working on our stuff. And so okay. like, oh, you know, like we're reducing our capacity down and they had to get, actually get rid of us. And and that was tough because I was like, well, you know, I, so I went, they recommended somebody else that was really bad. And then, yeah. so and then I ended up where we are now, but that was, that was like somebody cutting our legs off. And then, and then at the same point in time, trying to then go, we got our legs back in early 2020 and then this pandemic hit and we're like, oh, come on. So it's like this, this constant feeling yeah. of defeat, but you know, the real formula of success is to constantly fail without losing enthusiasm because that's really what it is. And, and, you know, and if you can really take that to another portion, because I think it was like Winston Churchill, that's pretty much said something like that. You know, you're talking to a guy that's been in two world wars and didn't give up <laughs> yeah. battered with bombs and everything. And we will not give up. And, uh, but you know, it's to learn from other people's mistakes in addition to that and applying that to also making sure you don't make the same mistake twice. If you can combine those two things and still constantly stay positive, uh, that's the best thing I can always recommend to people. That's where real success happens. I am like the king of failing, (laughs) always failing. I'm always saying the wrong thing, but I'm so open-minded about it all that I'm like, all right, let's make sure that I figure out how to stop myself real quick and think about what I'm about to say even though I'm not very good at that, I still think about that all the time. It's awesome. And you said, you know, you said even before we started this conversation that sometimes sometimes you can be a bit philosophical about things and a little bit negative. I would, I'd say that it's the other way around, man. It's philosophical, but there's a lot of positivity there. I think, you know, the way that you're saying there, you've just got to, you've got to fail, but you've got to overcome each one and stay positive through each time. I think, I think there's a lot of positivity and that's what's kept you going to the point that you guys are just growing and growing. So that's awesome. Thank you. Cool. So, oh, dude, that so so many things I could go into, and so many things I want to ask. Actually, one question I do want to ask because I'm also conscious of your time, so we do need to wrap up soon. But hey, let's do this again another time. But um, 
who was the first person you hired? What was the first role that you thought, you know, I, I just need someone to help with this? Uh, I went back. So it's kind of a funny story. So when I left, uh, when I was doing Girlfriend for Revolve, I had a team. I, I built up a whole team there. I had a sample room and everything. And uh, and so I wanted to, you know, I wanted to go over to Reformation. I just needed a couple people because I wanted to leave them a good standing relationship, a healthy team. Hmm. Um, but I just needed a couple key people. I needed like two people. Yeah. That's really what it came down. I just needed a designer and a pattern maker. And so my designer that was working, one of my assistant designers didn't want to come with me. And I was like, that's okay. You know, like you could stay there. And yeah. so uh, about a year later when I needed to hire somebody, uh, when I was for, for Boyish specifically because I was working at full time at Reformation, I ended up hiring that same, I offered again to that same assistant designer that I had. I said, come work for me. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll have freedom. You get to work from home mostly. You know, the office I have is closer to your house. And I just try to make her comfortable. And, uh, and it was great because she was, a, she was a hard worker. She knew how I worked. We were getting things done. Um, she learned a lot about sustainability. Yeah. And, uh, and it was tough because then she actually ended up leaving right at the end of 2019. And she went to go work for uh, AG Jeans. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, but, which is good because it's like they're not a competitor of mine. You know, like they make jeans for like more adult women. Yeah. Um, and they're not sustainable at all. So it's like, you know, it's like, that's good, you know, because Mr. Ku, who runs that company, he has his own factories and he mm. is like the ultra, like knows how to make jeans. This guy is extremely smart. And so it's like, I mean, you're going to learn a lot at this company. They have a lot of great employees there. And I was very excited for her. I was like sad because I'm losing somebody, but yeah. you know, it's a, it change is always something that you fear, but usually if you, as long as you look at it in, in, in a constructive way, you know, uh, it'll build strength and bring new opportunity for sure man i love that well you know it's great and i'm again as people who listen to this know i'm i'm pretty lucky that i've co-founded this business and there's a few there's a few different skill sets between us and we're very lucky as well to have a designer who's come from places like lee and wrangler and stuff like that on our hands because that is not that is not my world um but i'd I suppose one one final question. This is the last one. Is um you know you you come from a very much design heavy background. You're the creative director for Boyish. That's that's your world. What kind of adjustment did you need to make, or what skills have you really had to teach yourself to actually become now not just the creative director, not just you know not just in the design element of things, but actually running a business. Oh, God, the things you have to do. <laughs> Yeah. The insurances, the workers' comp, <laughs> payroll. Oh my God, I have to do this thing called payroll. I have to pay people every two weeks. It's insanity. Yeah. I'm like, why do I have to pay people? Can't people just work for free? No. Can't they just <laughs> love it enough? Yeah. I know. No, I know. It's it's weird. It's just things you know, like you didn't really think about. You know, um, permits, um, rents, leases, so many contracts, things like that. That it's just like. Um, and it's tough creative person. I was just saying, really do you enjoy that? My mindset. Oh, no, I don't. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, uh, I have enough of an understanding of the end, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Um, to know that part of it's almost like you know, when you're younger, your parents can give you money hmm. or you, they could be like, hey, you have to do this task and I will give you money. It yeah. always feels better. When you when you have to suffer a little bit to, to actually then the reward feel tastes better I guess is, is sort yeah, of a concept. Um, 
you know, the way I always look at life is that there's always going to be uh, challenges there for you. And, and that's there to, to keep you sort of evolving. Yeah. You know, and, and stress is part of evolution. That's what that's what pushes the evolution. So you just have to learn how to live with it because uh, there's two there's two perspectives in life that you have. It's either look at these obstacles as a detriment and focus on them and let them rule your life negatively. Or you look at it as a challenge that builds you, makes you stronger. It's an obstacle. And, mm. and, to, and once you go around that obstacle, it's not like there's never going to be any more obstacles. That particular obstacle is no longer an obstacle because you've now learned how to, how to, to overcome it. Yeah. And there's going to be new ones that constantly happen. And so ultimately, it's not that the obstacles disappear. They just get easier to overcome. And starting your own business is teaching you that along with a hell of a lot of patience. <laughs> yeah. Because you're now not just taking care of yourself or taking care of your business, but you're taking care of the livelihood of your own people, the yeah. people that work for you. And, you know, for me, I have my sister who works for me. I have, you know, like my, my best friend of over 20 years that works for me. I have, you know, an amazing staff of people that, you know, have, have children uh, who work for me and significant others that the breadwinners for the family. Uh, and, uh, you know, their livelihood is in my hands. Yeah. You know, but not just their livelihood of making money to pay, put, you know, food on the table or a house over their, their head, but their happiness, their, their family's happiness. And so, you know, that was something that you kind of, no one ever really prepares you for that as you start right. to grow and as you start to take care of, of, of uh, your, your staff, your people, your humans, your, yeah. your, your, you know, your fr almost like in a certain way, I don't want to say friends, but it's like the same concept. It's like, how do you humanize this as much as possible? Like the, the word in, the employed or the employees, you know, it's like, to me, it doesn't have a personal connection and, um, and that, that with all the contracts and stuff like that was definitely the hardest thing as a creative person, a creative mind that wants to build and come up with new ideas. I really had to overcome that and and uh, and also the, the marketing side of things because I also realized it doesn't matter how good of a product you make. Uh, it only matters how much people understand how good your product is, mm. which is actually that 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 mentality is what led me down the path of realizing that my company is less about making product and it's more about um, enlightening and empowering women. Uh, and, you know, cause it's like, that's pretty much what I do all day with my staff. I have a mostly woman staff and, and I'm trying to empower them, teach them values, learn from them, for them to learn from me. And in the process of all that, you know, I want, you know, I'm trying to empower women. We want women to feel beautiful in their, in the products that they get from us, but not just feel beautiful, but feel good about feeling beautiful because they know that this isn't, I didn't have to, people didn't have to suffer in this world. You know, like people don't realize all the things that are going on out there, especially with all this greenwashing yeah. and, you know, as a sustainable brand, that's your biggest challenge is like, all right, you know, like we are actually doing things right. How do we make sure not to end up being a greenwashing company? How do we stand out against these recycled polyester companies or how do we stand out against people that are saying that viscose is sustainable yeah. you know even though it comes from rainforest trees and you know the the plants that are making it don't have water treatment plants that really filter out things like the carbon disulfide that is extremely toxic that pretty much kills people in the nearby yeah. water streams you know and and it's like uh how do you how do you do that and and that's pretty much the foundation of business is always as a business owner is 
how do I do this? <laughs> it's like every day there's always someone like, oh man, I haven't had this come come my way yet. You know, how do I do this? And obviously the first thing is Googling and then the next thing is calling people and asking people or whatever it is. But those challenges never stop. It's it's, it's the constant uh, life battle. For sure. And I think what what it sounds like, you've definitely done that. And as you say, then it's about Googling things. It's about calling people and asking. And, you know, this is a journey for us as well as we we came into this creating our brand to be it was from the start. It was like we want to create a vegan fashion brand that, you know, that nothing is using animal based product. And we're trying to smash what the existing perception is if somebody says oh it's a vegan brand or it's vegan clothing you know that's there's Mm -hmm. a very straight you know there's a there's a image you get in your head if somebody says that but of course along the way for us it's then been that's not enough we have to be doing our best for sustainability we have to do be as ethical as possible and i think a thing for me as well has been to know that of all the things I've got to do and the contracts and the insurance and my God, the insurance, it's, it's the worst, <laughs> but it's also dedicating time every day to sit and read and learn. That is the only way we will become mm-hmm. the business we want to be is to actually take this as I, I'm studying, I'm, I'm learning and to also talk mm-hmm. to someone like yourself. And, you know, if I've got a question now and the next time we're producing denim and I've got a question about this way of washing or this way of water usage, I'm I'm going to come to you and I want to know because it's not that I'm going to think oh man he's going to he's going to be like oh I can't believe you weren't doing that before it's that we can all get this knowledge to actually be producing in a way that is better for the environment is better for people and is trying to move this industry forward and it's just important to yeah like I think acknowledge where everybody's trying to make the right decisions like you said with your jacket that's all right it's hemp but it's got the recycled polys in it is understanding where people are trying to do the right thing rather than just saying they're doing the right thing to try and make the sale. Yeah, there's no point in shaming people. It's yeah. just, uh, and that's why I like to use the word empowering. And it's tough because I sometimes also feel like maybe I am shaming people or, or you know, I'm not perfect either, you know. And that's that's why I actually really love our customers. Like, they, I get, I, it's crazy the amount of cu- customers that will email me and be like, we saw your label said this. I'm like, What? I was like, that's crazy. Like our, our, our customers will find a mistake that our factories did yeah. sometimes with just like not putting the right label in our jeans or like, you know, the content was incorrect. And I'm like, yeah. wow. And you're like, I love that, you know, it, it's almost like we attract pers- perceptive, intelligent women to really come and, and, yeah. and, and, and empower us almost because we're empowering them and it, in turn comes back and helps you um, be, con- it's constructive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you ever, you know, I, I say this to a lot of people, too, because I get people that contact me all the time in the industry. It's like I, if I didn't have all the people I asked questions to that answered them, I wouldn't be where I am. Yeah. This is why I'm always helping whoever I can help. Um, you know, I, I try to I like you, too. I'm reading dissertations and LCAs and, and all kinds of different research papers from different universities, a lot from uh, Sweden. Because yeah. for some reason they, uh, I love the way that they they put everything together okay. there with their, uh, yeah, it's great. I love the um, psychology of it too. Like there was this one research paper there they talked about like uh, testing different groups to figure out if like switching to clean power was going to make them, you know, like what sort of decision would make them actually switch to clean power, and mm-hmm. and it was like you know it's better for the future for your children. It's going to cost less. You know, it's uh, it's going to save the it's going to save the environment. Or, it, you know, because your neighbor's doing it and, and this is what they're doing or whatever it was. And, yeah. and it was funny because like the one section that they, they agreed upon 
to switch over to energy was because their neighbor was doing it. <laughs> they wanted to compete with them. I was like, ah, humans. I was like, if people learn how, the learn how they like to, yeah. <laughs> you look, if you learn how they think, yeah. you can learn how to adapt and create a voice. And, and that's why I was saying earlier about obviously marketing is it's tough because it's a challenge. Uh, no matter how good you are at marketing, finding your voice is going to be one of the, the biggest things. And that goes along with branding. You know, it's yeah. not just, you know, fonts and how you put things together to make it look pretty, but it's the voice that people heard. What do, they, what do people think about when they say, you know, whatever your company name is, it's like the first words that come to mind yeah. and, uh, and, and standing behind that and, and making sure that, you know, being open-minded to the people that have negative points of view and, but also being open-minded to the fact that you can't make everyone happy. Absolutely. So, um, Asking questions is the most important thing to break down all these barriers, is to be able to discover more, to be able to learn more, be able to, to, to figure out, uh, you know, truths or to debunk, you know, falsified information. Um, I always tell people that a brand doesn't have to be super sustainable for you to stop, you know, you have to stop buying from it. Just ask them, empower them. Because if you go out and say, hey, do you use, you know, refibra, you know, 10 cell lyocell? You know, like they would be like, well, I don't, maybe I don't even know what that is. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go research about it because now I have a customer that's actually taking interest yeah. in it. Otherwise, a company can't read you mind that, hey, I'm magically interested in you using some interesting man made cellulosic fiber that's using recycled scraps and turning it into a 10 cell lyo cell yarn now. It's like, you know, these are new things that are happening and a lot of people are too busy paying their insurance and they are <laughs> researching to find yeah. out what new things are happening in the innovation of fibers and recycling. Yeah. So awesome, man. Well, it is all about asking questions and I've asked a lot of you today and I'm aware that it's um, wrapping up to your day there and it's been a lot of your time. So before we, um, you know, before we hit stop on the record button, let us know what does the next 12 months look like for Boyish? What's in the pipeline? What, what can people expect in the coming year? Uh, more of our, uh, so we partnered with Candiani, which is a mill out of Italy and nice. they, uh, they have a really beautiful fiber called Coriva. It is a natural based elastane yarn. Mm. Well, it's not actually elastane, okay. it's a natural rubber stretch yarn. I can't call it elastane because it's not necessarily a plastic based rubber. Yeah. Uh, and so this is great because, uh, once again, it's like, we are extremely focused on plant-based, uh, you know, most of our genes are plant-based. We don't have a lot of super stretch genes because yeah. it's not actually very sustainable. Um, so that's like, you know, I talked about this maybe a little bit earlier. It's like you can have organic cotton, but then the rest of it's not good. Yeah. So does that really make it sustainable? So we're very much, uh, you know, I can't say 100% sustainable, but we are 100% focused on trying to be the best that we can be. Yeah. So uh, it's, it is a journey, not a destination. So that's why I can't say that there's no way to be 100% sustainable. Um, you know, the only thing is you can have 100% focus on every decision that you make, you know, our trims, our buttons. Um, yeah. You know, like actually originally you talked a lot about like, you know, animal based, you know, leathers versus uh, non-animal based leathers. Like we used to have a leather, uh, a little leather washer behind our, our rivet or, or excuse me, our, our tack nail that went into our button on the, on the mm. waistbands. And it's helped to, it's helped, it's to help reinforce so it doesn't punch through, which actually makes your jeans last longer. It yeah. goes back into the sustainability. We originally started with leather. And uh, because it's actually more sustainable than than polyurethane yeah. that was made of plastics that breaks down and things like that. And so uh, what ended up happening is I found a company that called, um, you know, Apple Skin, which was using mm-hmm. the waste from apple juice manufacturers to make leathers. And, you know, that to me was a more sustainable uh, alternative to polyurethane and or, you know, um, leather itself. Yeah. 
And so, you know, and, and that at that point in time, we took that out and we have no other animal products in our jeans. We don't use any leather or anything. So then we went another step further and we got PETA approved. So, uh, you know, this is just the same mission. The next 12 months is just us trying to add more plant-based alternatives, making our jeans more comfortable. I know that a lot of our jeans don't have stretch and women complain about it. Um, okay. But as we start to grow, uh, we're adding more of this Kareva elastane yarn that we launched last year. And it is, uh, it's going to be great because we're going to have some fun new fits, some of our best-selling fits, like the Mikey uh, yeah. It's one of our best selling fits. It's like a wide leg that has a raw hem that's cropped a little bit. Oh yeah, I know. And yep. uh, yeah, and then we're also going to be continuing our uh, our collection is going to be kind of fun in, in fall. It's kind of a little bit more '80s inspired. So we have some new uh, fun fits coming out in in uh, that season. We have uh, more of our twill fabric that we made. We made this really beautiful chino fabric that's a combination of uh, organic cotton that comes from the farm in Izmir, Turkey. And we make it with uh, one of the mills in in, uh, in Turkey that I develop a lot of fabrics with called cool. Bosa, which is great because a lot of the fabrics I build with them, I let other companies buy them. So this is a great way for me to help other people become sustainable. It's not only for us, you know, and uh, we're continuing to expand product categories outside of just the traditional indigo denim. Awesome, man. That's um, even just uh, touching on what you're saying there about having other companies be able to buy the fabrics as well. I think for me coming into the fashion industry um, fresh, you know, luckily I've got a co-founder who has been in it a lot longer than I have. But one of the things I found not surprising, but challenging is is people's reluctance to share, share information or to share things like that. And I, I really understand where that comes from as well. But in this space where we're trying to do things sustainably, I think doing things like that and making your innovation available to other people is super important to actually make that accessible because it is hard sometimes. You know, we've found it harder that we're using recycled cotton for our for our salvage denim. And it's mm-hmm. actually been harder to obtain that. We've had to do more work to get something mm-hmm. that's more sustainable. And to actually, mm-hmm. you know, tack on to other people, let's share materials, let's you know, recommend sources of good sustainable materials. I think that's really important as well to lift the industry as a whole to actually make the positive impact too. Yeah, no, I, uh, that's the thing I kind of like about sustainable fashion is when I started working at Reformation, they're like, yeah, let's just call our friends at Patagonia or, mm-hmm. you know, Eileen Fisher. And actually, I remember uh, one of the, the, the young ladies that works at Eileen Fisher gave me this like beautiful essay of like these fibers that, that she's talking about. And, uh, you know, I thought it was really amazing that, you know, this collaboration, because there's obviously that famous saying that everybody knows teamwork is dream work. And, yeah. you know, you're going to get farther together than you are by yourself. So that's why, you know, I really just try to put good energy out there. I work with people that, you know, are less focused about marketing and more focused on product, yeah. you know, and, uh, and making sure that when I go to work with people, I can help bring that out since it's, and it's tough because I've seen other companies out there use some of the materials, use my factories, use like almost they see us do things and then they just take it and they and they have more resources. They have investment money behind them. They have all yeah. these things. And I'm like over here being like, oh, you know, like, should I not have done that? You know, like, but then at the same point in time, that's like, well, they're getting that out there, which is only going to help me in the long run. For sure. It's not going to help me right now. It's going to yeah. help them more right now. But that's OK. You know, like as long as I'm doing me, I don't need X potential growth. That's crazy. You know, it's like, no, it's just learning remember it's like that thing about balance it's just learning where's our lane and let's just stay in it like yeah i know there's all these other lanes to go in but you just got to pick one 
stick with it and understand that sometimes it, the ride gets a little bumpy and you may want to go on to one of these other roads, but just patience, ride through, stick to your guns, you know, stay with your mission that you have and, and be clear with it and, you know, help as many other people as you can. And, and uh, if you're not doing something right, don't take it too personal. Everyone, you know, that's the beautiful thing about sustainability is you have to find problems in order to fix it. Yeah. That's what sustainability is. It's like create a sustainability report and monitor it like a report card. You don't go to school and grade your own, you know, papers and tests, you know, yeah. you, you know, find companies to, to work with you, to challenge you more and, and, and figure out and measure things and, and do it legitimately. And uh, it'll be a challenge, but it'll be fun. And, you know, that's the great thing of having people there too, is to learn from their mistakes versus you doing it on your own. So, uh, yeah. And that goes back to the whole questions thing that we're saying too, is like asking those questions to other people is always going to be helpful. It's awesome, man. I think that's actually a brilliant, that's a brilliant note to finish on as well. I think that's great. So with that said, is there anything else? Is there anything people can do? You know, obviously they can get onto the boyish site. They can purchase. I myself, like it, it pains me because I love your brand, but the jeans are women's jeans, but I've got my <laughs> wife on there and I'm getting her looking at it. Cause I'm like, I just want you to get from that brand. Um, but you know, how else, how can people get around it? What can they do to support? Where can they find you? Yeah. Uh, you know, our website, boyish.com, you can go on there. Uh, we have loads of information on our sustainability section. Uh, you know, transparency is super important for us. Uh, we work with third-party companies like Retrace to, to uh, map our entire supply chain uh, and learn more about the certificates and, and where everything's coming from. We really try to group everything together in, in countries, you know, so it's like if we want to we make everything where everything's coming from. This is why we ended up in Turkey a lot because mm-hmm. they have great infrastructure, great organic cotton that has some of the lowest water readings and, and, and best agricultural uh, infrastructure there in the uh, western portion in Izmir. Cool. We work with uh, also Green Story that gives us all of our our readings using life cycle assessment reports yeah. to actually tell people legitimately how much they're saving. So you know that's the best place because all that information is there. I told you going into stores is very difficult to find that, but you can also go on our website and we have a stockist page. You can find us on there. In Europe, we're on Zalando. In the U.S., we're on uh, you know Revolve, uh, Shopop, uh, and also Free People. We have a great assortment with Free People. Um, they've been strong supporters of us on the wholesale end. They have one of the best buyers uh, I've ever worked with. Uh, she actually is from the UK, mm-hmm. and uh, and she came from actually fast fashion brands. So she's been a big supporter of the uh, sustainable movement. Cool. She loves jeans. She's no she knows more about jeans than I've ever seen with any buyers. <laughs> uh, so we love supporting our wholesale clients, even though I know that you can get more of an assortment on our uh, on our website. But our website does not have free shipping. That's the toughest thing is, yes. um, you know, I don't believe I don't believe in free shipping because I believe it promotes people to want to return things. Yeah. And so I want people to value the product. Uh, but we you know, if people ever feel like, you know, they they got a product that they, uh, you know, they paid for shipping and they didn't fit them. You know, is all you need to do is email our, our, our customer service. And we have a great customer service team that will that will work with you to try to get you something that you really like. And, uh, you know, that's the benefit of, of working with us, that we're a small brand. We care about our customers. We're not a big brand who just wants to sell you something and then we don't care if you ever come back again. We pride ourselves on our on our return customer rate. Our customers are constantly buying our products and coming back. So we want to do whatever we can to do that. We love winning people's businesses. And, uh, you know, we also love taking care of our wholesale clients too. So it's like, feel free to reach out to us, shop, buy stuff. We also have a consignment shop 
Um, our consignment shop mm, is through a yeah. company called Treats that they help us run that. If you have an old pair of boyish jeans, hop on there, sell your old pair of boyish jeans and turn it in for credit and you'll get another pair of uh, boyish jeans. And that way your uh, previously owned uh, jeans can go and be loved by somebody else without having to end up anywhere where they might end up in a landfill. Because even then, all of our jeans are still in, uh, they're made with the capability of either mechanically recycling them or cellulosically recycling them through the guidelines of the Jeans Redesign Project. Awesome, man. So many places for people to check it out. So many good things to look at. And as well, all of that will be in the show notes as well, as is always the case, so people can link through and they can check that out. So all that's left to say, man, is thanks so much for your time today. It's been it's been an, a great chat. It's been great to meet you. It's been great to learn about it. It's been great to hear so much of your passion behind it as well. It's been a pleasure, dude. Yeah, I appreciate you having me here. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you taking the interest in our brand. And I'm really excited to see your brand grow as well. Thanks, man. Cheers. Thank you.